together today, and uh, we start the new year. We also start a, uh, a new series as we turn to the Word here. And, uh, the series is about uh, questions, and <clears throat> the goal of the series is kind of uh, twofold. Uh, one is we hope that you've invited uh, friends who are asking these questions to, to be with us this morning, and, and so if you're one of those friends, hey, it's awesome to have you here. Thanks for taking the risk and being here, and uh, we hope We'll be able to give you some insight this morning and help you deal with maybe some questions you are asking. Um, And then uh, secondarily, uh, the hope is that if you're already a sold-out Christ follower, that uh, we know you're probably facing these questions out there in the world. And so the goal here is to to equip you, to help you get some sense of, uh, hey, how how do I deal with that out in the world? How do I answer uh, that question? And uh, equipped to do so, uh, man, we hope you'll be out there doing it. Right? that you're going to be ready to go, because uh, that's what Scripture says. Be ready, be prepared uh, to give an answer. Right, And so that's part of the goal, to, to answer some questions, not only for those who are here inquiring, uh, but for faithful followers who just we know you're going to face it out of the world. So let's get right into it. You ready to go? Right to the questions. And uh, the one question I think is probably the most, uh, the most dominant of questions that's out there in culture today uh, is probably this question right here. Uh, and it's the thing of, do all roads uh, lead to heaven? Do all roads lead to heaven? Have you heard this question, been in conversation about this question with a non-believer? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's okay, so all roads lead to heaven. Is that true? Is that not true? Well, let's get, let's get Jesus' answer right out on the table, okay, right away. We'll just get Jesus' answer right out on the table. comes out of John uh, 14. It says, uh, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth. And the life. The only way to the Father is through me. So is that kind of straightforward? <laughs> it's pretty clear, right? I mean, right there. Straightforward kind of answer, especially the last half of the verse there. The only way to the Father is through me, period. That's it. Now, as we share that answer with you, I know right away that either there's folks out there in the world or some of you here today are going to say, come on. That, that is so exclusive. I mean, really. I mean, that is just so arrogant of you. I mean, that's just so judgmental. That is just so, you know, in our culture of political correctness, inappropriate. And, and how dare you say that you have this exclusive claim? After all... After all, our culture would say things like, listen, one God with many names. Heard that before? Sure, one God with many names. Or you, you'd get my favorite, some of you know this, my favorite, the, the, the culture, you know, we educate by bumper stickers, right? <laughs> and so here, here's the reflection of the bumper sticker that bothers me the most is this one here, right? Uh, coexists, like somehow they're all equal, Right? There is a new one. I don't know if you're up on it. I keep up on this. There's a new one. There's a sequel. You know how this is a good movie? There's always a sequel, right? This is a good bumper sticker for many. And so there's a sequel that's even more inclusive, even more broad. It's this one right here. Have you seen that one out there yet? No, a new awareness. Yeah, tolerance. But what's behind what's behind each of these bumper stickers? Well, it's it's the same assumption that culture wants us to make. Culture wants to make the argument against us and say, how dare you? 
How dare you make that exclusive statement? After all, aren't all religions the same? Aren't they all the same? I mean, that's, that's what the bumper sticker wants you to understand. It wants you to accept the premise that, that it, one God, many names. One God, many paths. It, and it doesn't matter what path you're on, as long as you're sincere about the path. It doesn't matter what path you're on. Just get on a path, be sincere in that path, and ultimately it will lead you to the same place. Because after all, they are all somehow equal. doesn't matter. See, if you buy into the premise that culture wants you to get, it is to buy into an understanding that says Christianity is just one among many, and they're all basically the same, and they all lead to the same end. The problem with that is that it simply isn't true. It's just not true. The early church understood this uh, as the Apostle Peter was before the Sanhedrin, the, the grueling council uh, of the Jews. He said, Jesus is the only one who can save people. No one else in the world is able to save us. That is the truth claim that we make. It, it, it is a truth claim that simply says, listen, you may think there's other paths. You may think there's other opportunities. But the truth is, there is nothing like what God did for us in Jesus Christ. And, and that all the other paths, that, that all these other opportunities that culture wants you to be able to believe in, that somehow they're equal, they just aren't. They just simply aren't equal. And, and Jesus warns us about this concept. He warns us about this broad, kind of broad, tolerant kind of accepting concept. It's in Matthew 7. He says, Enter through the narrow gate. The gate is wide, and the road is wide that leads to hell. And many people enter through that gate. But the gate is small, and the road is narrow that leads to true life. Only a few people find that road. So, I mean, he's warning us, right, about buying into a concept that says, listen, they're all equal, they're all the same, it doesn't matter what path you're on, as long as you just are sincere and follow the path. It's just not true. It's just not true. And so if somebody is saying to you, well, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, how can you make this exclusive claim? Well, we make the claim because it's true. And by the way, other world religions make their own exclusive claims. Uh, we're not the only ones making exclusive claims, which is, of course, the irony of it all, that they point us and say, oh, you're so non-tolerant, and, and how can you make that statement? But, you know, the other religions make their own exclusive claims. The difference for us is understanding why ours is different and why ours is the only one of all the claims, of all the paths, of all the roads that, that is actually true. If you want to just watch the screens for a minute and uh, watch a, a little video here that may help you get a concept and an understanding of, of why our claim is so true, even though it seems so exclusive, okay? So just watch the screens for a minute here, and uh, hopefully it will give you insight, and then we'll get into these uh, screens.
He fell in a hole, and he couldn't get out. A traveler passed by. He told the man to meditate, to purify his mind, and when he reached Nirvana, all suffering would cease. The man did as he was told, but he remained in the hole. Another man appeared. He explained that the hole didn't exist, and neither, in fact, did the man. It was all an illusion. The man who did not exist was still stuck in the hole that was not there. Another visitor arrived. He instructed the man to perform good deeds to improve his karma, and though he would still die in the hole, he might be reincarnated as something magnificent. Another man looked down from above. He taught the man to pray five times a day facing east and to follow five important tenets. If he was faithful, one day, perhaps, divine would set him free. The man prayed as best he could, but he was losing strength, and in the hold he remained. something different about him. He called down to the man in the hole and asked him if he wanted to be free. This man lowered himself into the earth, into the pit. He took hold of the man. Okay, see, so you see the difference? I mean, they're not all the same. I mean, it's, it's because we have this exclusive plan. It's because Christianity says Jesus came to be with us. Because we just did Christmas. That, that he chose to come into the hall. Everybody else, every other path leaves the guy in the hall. Our exclusive claim is, listen, if you're in a hole, if you feel like that guy right now in your life, and your life is, is in that pit, I want to tell you, there is a way out of that. And that's not because of you, it's because of everything that Jesus Christ did for you. That's the way out. And that's why we make the exclusive claim. Because it's true. Because it's the way. It is the opportunity for life to get changed. And when you're in that hole, it is the way that you get pulled out of the hole. And if we look at the other religions, if we just take the time, and if somebody asks you this question and starts getting on you and saying, well, you know, that's so intolerant and that's so non-inclusive, you've got to be able to push back and say, well, let's look at it. 
I mean, let's look at the reality of what these paths are and, and come to some conclusion. And, and Christianity is the only one that understands it's what God did for us. I mean, if you look just simply at what, what are the perspectives of, of God in the different faiths, in the different uh, major religions. If you look at the Buddhist, the Buddhist says, God, what is that, right? Deny it altogether. The Hindu says God is formless and abstract, and while you may experience God in many lesser gods, uh, Christianity says, no, wait a minute. God is personal, and we are made in his image, and he wants to be in that incredible constant relationship with us. I mean, that's different. That's dramatically different. Or we look at the way out of the hole. We look, we look at salvation. And the Buddhist says, you know, self-effort. It's just all about you. It's self-effort alone. Or the Hindu says, just have devotion and do good works and be self-controlled. Or the Muslim says, look, you got to earn your way out. you got, you got to do good works to make up for your sins. And, you know, you're not real sure when you've got the tipping point in the right direction. Christianity says, wait, it's not about you. It's what Jesus did for you. That Jesus died for your sins, and he freely gives you forgiveness, and he gives you the promise of an incredible new life. I mean, those are dramatically different. Dramatically different. Or just looking at who Jesus is himself. The Buddha says Jesus was a good teacher. Not as good as Buddha, of course. The Hindu says, well, he's one of the many incarnations of, of God's sons. And the Muslim says, well, he was a prophet, equal to Adam or Noah or Abraham, but not as good as Muhammad, obviously. And by the way, it wasn't Jesus that died on the cross. It was Judas that died on the cross. We're not even close to being the same. So, so the concept and the idea that, well, it doesn't matter what path you take because they all lead to the same place, is just simply not true. There is only one that makes the exclusive claim because there's only one that says the direction is that God chose to come to us. Not that we go to him, but that God chose to come to us. If you look at 1 Timothy, Paul says, This is good. It pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to know the truth. You see, that's our inclusive statement. That's our statement of tolerance. It says, of course we're going to be tolerant. Of course we're going to coexist. Of course, why? Because we're always going to be looking for the opportunity to be able to share what we know to be true in other people's lives. Of course, we're not going to be judgmental about things, but we are going to be able to say, listen, here's the truth. Here's what we know to be true. Let, let's look at it. Let's examine it. Let's sit down together. Let's not buy into the wide gate, but let's look at and, and talk together about what truth really is. Paul says in Timothy, there is one God and one mediator so that human beings can reach God. That is why through Christ Jesus, who is himself human, he gave himself as a payment to free all people. He is proof that came at the right time. See, this is the incredible, incredible good news of Christianity is that God, Jesus, Christmas came to be with us when we're in the hole. When we're in the hole. And he came to carry us and to lift us out of a life that we live that's so focused on self that we can live a life that's focused on everybody else and be inclusive and be tolerant. You see, that's who we are. That's what it leads us to. And, and we know this is true. We know that our exclusive claim is absolutely true because we're the only world religion. We're the only one that can make equally 
the exclusive claim that Jesus rose from the dead. Nobody else can make that claim, that Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, in the book of Acts, the, the apostle says that, that, that this is the proof, right? He has set a day when he will judge the world fairly. He has appointed a man to be its judge. God has proved this to all people by raising that man from the dead. That's our proof. Our exclusive claim is based on an exclusive experience. And we can make the exclusive claim because we have the exclusive experience. If you want to say, listen, do, do all roads lead to heaven? Well, no, there's no other road that can be proven by Jesus Christ rising from the dead. We're it. And because of that, we can make the exclusive claim that he's the only way. Okay, that leads you probably to another question, right? So you say, okay, okay, we got this whole other paths things worked out, but, but what about the folks that aren't on a path? I mean, what about the folks who are just good people? I mean, they're just good people. You know them. They live around you. They may be your neighbor or somebody in your family. I mean, they're just good, moral, good people. What about the folks that are good? Is being good good enough? Well, here's the problem with the question as well. The question starts from the wrong place. The question assumes that everybody is potentially good, right? It, that those people who are doing good things... That's proof that they are simply good people. Isaiah would bring us back to a level playing field and say, wait a minute, rethink the question. Wait a minute, rethink where people really are in their hearts, not in their outside, but in their inside, where people really are. Isaiah says, all of us are dirty with sin. Notice he starts by saying, how many of us? Including good people. Including good people. All of us are dirty with sin. All the right things we have done are like filthy pieces of cloth. See, the point is not how many good things have you done on the outside. It's where are you at on the inside. And the truth of Scripture tells us, listen, none of us measure up. It's the wrong question. It's simply the wrong question. If you look at the Apostle Paul, he uses himself as an example in, in this whole theory about being good enough. Okay? He uses himself as an example, and, and he says, listen, I, I'm really good. I mean, in terms of if you answer the question about being good, being good enough, he says, I've got all the credentials, okay? Look at it. He says, I have many reasons to trust in my human nature. So that's where we're trusting. We're trusting not in God. We're trusting in our human nature, saying, hey, I'm good enough. I did good. I'm good enough. He says, others may think they have reasons to trust in theirs, but I've got even more. I was circumcised on the eighth day from his birth. He followed the law, right? I am part of the people of Israel. He's part of God's covenant people. I am from the tribe of Benjamin. Awesome, good tribe to be from. I mean, one of the two best, right? I am a pure Hebrew. No falsehood there. As far as the law is concerned, I'm a Pharisee. Best of the best. As far as being committed is concerned, I opposed and attacked the church. He did a lot of good stuff in that realm. As far as keeping the law is concerned, I kept it perfectly. I thought, I thought things like that were for my benefit. Where's he at? You say, man, you want to talk about good? You're looking at it, right? I am really good. 
I mean, you want to put the measuring stick on this? Man, I measure up because I've done all kinds of good stuff. But look where he comes out. When he really looks at it, when he looks at his life, look where he comes out. But now I consider them to be nothing because of Christ. Even more, I consider everything to be nothing compared to knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. To know him is the best thing of all. See, Paul looks at his life and says, listen, in terms of doing good enough, I got all kinds of resume credentials here. I look good on paper. But you know what? Ultimately, that means nothing. That means nothing. Because it's not about what I've done. It's about what Christ has done for me. And, and we get that message over and over in Scripture. I mean, this is the heart of the good news. That it's not about what we do, but it's everything about what Jesus did for us. Right? You go to Ephesians, it says, God's grace has saved you because of your faith in Christ. Your salvation doesn't come from anything you do. It's God's gift. It is not based on anything we've done. No one can brag about earning it. It's not about how good I am, how good I might be. It's all about how good, how gracious, how merciful, how loving God is to us and what he did in Jesus. You get it again in Titus. Titus says, But the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared. He saved us. It wasn't because of the good things we have done. It was because of his mercy. He saved us by washing away our sins. We were born again. The Holy Spirit gave us new life. God poured out the Spirit on us freely because of what Jesus Christ our Savior has done. His grace made us right with God. So now we have received the hope of eternal life as God's children. See, this is the heart of it. It's not about being good enough. It's about understanding what Jesus did for you and just receiving it. Just receiving it. You see, here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem with the question, is being good, can you be good enough, right? Can, can, you, imagine, can you imagine the person that gets up there before the pearly gates and he stands before Jesus and, and, and Jesus gives him the kind of the Maxwell Smart answer? You remember Maxwell Smart? Or am I too old for that and you're too young for that? Come on, they did a movie, you know, you get smart movie kind of thing, right? And what was his phrase? You missed it by that much, right? Remember that? Is that what he said? Can you imagine a guy that gets up there and he's standing before Jesus and Jesus says, Wow, you were really close. You know, I mean, two more, you would have made it. Two more. Maybe one big one, a little extra credit. Could have let you in, but you just missed it. I mean, really? I mean, you can never be good enough. And, and how would you know? How would you know in your own life? How would you know that somehow you've, you, you've done enough so that, that the teeter-totter is weighing in your favor? And see, the answer is it's not what you do. It's what Jesus did for you. You see, that's the freedom. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That... that Whoever you were this morning when you came into the room and whatever you've done or whatever you haven't done, from this point on, it doesn't matter. All that matters is that you are willing to receive the free gift and say, Jesus, I want you. 
I want you to be Lord of my life. I want to receive everything you did for me. That's the good news. That's the gospel. It's what he did. Not what we do. It's what he did because we could never do enough. It's what uh, Paul says in Corinthians. Christ didn't have any sin, but God made him become sin for us. So we, we can be made right with God because of what Christ has done for us. That's the exclusive claim. That's the incredible good news. That, that, that's what no other path has. It, it's this incredible understanding and awareness that Jesus came to be with us, that he threw the rope down into the hole, and he climbed down into the hole to carry us, to carry our failures, to carry our faults, to carry our burdens, to carry all of the things that we do wrong in life and be able to love us and die for us and do everything for us. And all we do, we just receive it. I mean, you just went through Christmas and you went through opening a whole lot of gifts, I hope, right? A fun time opening gifts and unwrapping it. Don't miss this gift. It's the gift we just celebrated, that he came to be with us and to unwrap that incredible gift. Now, before we end, here, here's, the, here's the risk. The risk is if you're tracking this morning and you're, and you're with me and you just received the last word about, you know, it's not about what you do. It's what, we, it's what Jesus has done for us. The temptation then is, is going to take that to another level and, and be able to say, well, okay, now, Pastor, let me get this straight. So it's all about what Jesus did for me. And so it's not about what I do. Therefore, what I do really doesn't matter. And so ultimately then, I guess, coming to church doesn't matter either. Are you following that? I mean, this is how good we are at kind of twisting things to our advantage, right? And, and so you get the next question. And the que well, okay, then if all that's true, if it's what Jesus did for us, it's not about what I do then is coming to church really necessary? All right, here's the deal. You remember we started today with a, with a pretty straightforward, point-blank kind of answer from Jesus, right? If you go into the book of Hebrews, you get a parallel, straightforward, point-blank answer to this temptation, right? And, and it's just, here's what it is. Let us hold firmly to the hope that we have confessed because we can trust God to do what he promised. Let us think about each other and help each other to show love and do good deeds. You should not stay away from the church meetings, as some are doing, but you should meet together and encourage each other. Do this even more as you see the day coming. What's the straightforward answer? Is church necessary? You know what? The Bible can't conceive of that question. It, I mean, it, 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 it's just not on the charts. It, it can't conceive of the idea that anybody who has received everything that Jesus has done for them, that anybody could have a concept that says, well, great, he's done it all. I don't need to do good deeds. Or, great, he's done it all. I, I don't need to come and worship and praise him. I mean, it's, it's inconceivable in, in the Scripture. Right? I mean, if, if you look again at the text and you, and you look at it, it repeatedly tells us, listen, you've got to be invested in one another. You, you've got to be in concern for one another. You've got to inspire one another. You, you've got to make sure that you get together and you hold each other accountable. I mean, that's what's in the text. 
It's saying, listen, this is part of what it means. When you receive everything that Jesus has done for you, then you are grafted into his body. And when you're in his body, you are inherently connected. There is no option. There is no other way. You are inherently connected. And coming to worship is not something that is mandated. It's something that you just do. It's just part of being part of the body. Because that's where you go together. And you can hold firm to the truth. And you can hold firm to the hope. Why? Because you've got other people around you. other Christians who are right there fighting for and encouraging you and strengthening you. And you can inspire other Christians to do good things and good deeds. And you can dream dreams together. Why? Because you get together and, and you inspire each other and you support one another. You see, it absolutely inherits that if you receive what God has done for you in Christ... You will just be there. And if you're not, if you take it lightly, there is a huge word of warning. Okay? There's a huge word of warning in Hebrews 10. Here it is right here. This is really heavy stuff. This is, this is dark stuff. You ready? If we decide to go on sinning after we have learned the truth, there's no longer any sacrifice for sins. There is nothing but fear in waiting for the judgment and the terrible fire that will destroy all those who live against God. Anyone who refuses to obey the law of Moses was found guilty from the proof given by two or three witnesses. He was put to death without mercy. Now, here's the big thing. So what do you think should be done to those who do not respect the Son of God, who look at the blood of the agreement that made them holy, as no different from others' blood who insult the spirit of God's grace. Surely they should have a much worse punishment. We know that God said, I will punish those who, who do wrong. I will repay them. He also said,